0: Welcome back, Kofkin Bond listeners, episode 101. Tony, how
1: are you today? Yes, uh, the voice has healed up again a bit from last night. I'm doing doing well. I was a bit worried about whether I'd be able to speak to you today, Jeremy. You were. I'm the one
0: that normally gets husky at the end of the night, but you were croaking.
1: I was. It was it was it was a late night and it was a loud venue, which meant I had to talk really loud. And it just reminded me of being 16 and sneaking into a you know a disco. And so, uh, so you got do you know what a disco d- is? Yeah, do, you two, blue light
0: discos. <laughs> I'm from the country, mate. Yeah, to the blue light discos. <laughs> Look, today we're going to talk about a bit of a sombre topic, but um, it's something that people really need to be aware of in what happens um, and about getting prepared. But I guess the topic of today is, you know, what happens after we die?
1: Well, it's an absolute certainty of life.
0: Yeah. We know one thing's going to happen, don't we?
1: Yeah, that's right. Now, if you've got really good accountants here, yeah, taxes might actually be reduced. You know, the famous Winston Churchill quote, two things in life are guaranteed, death and taxes. Yeah. So good accountants might get that reduced. That aside, uh, death, death death is uh, something that we all hope happens very later on in life, uh, but sometimes it doesn't happen. Yeah. Uh, well, and it's something that is very hard to plan around, obviously.
0: And look, it, it probably forms a big part of our job um, when clients are coming in. It, it sort of they've got short-term goals, but we need to consider. Um, if something's to happen?
1: Well, the thing is, is as, as we've discussed before, our why in this organisation is the right amount of money to the right person at the right time tax effectively. And the right time is what we're all hoping for is retirement yep. and then uh, a long and healthy life in retirement as well, whereas uh, though the, the, the right time might be upon passing prematurely. Yep. Uh, as not planned. You know, in your 20s, 30s, we've did death claim for, what, a 24-year-old? Yeah. Uh, once they showed, um, so I think it was even younger. Um, so, but the the basis of it is is that, you know, y- you can die at any time, but when, when we do, it's, it's basically what happens after death. So I guess... And yeah. it's not a religious question, Jenny. Yeah.
0: So people would obviously start with saying, well, we should get a will in place.
1: Yeah, and now that's also there's a couple of things to consider. And first of all, is the law. I mean, so what happens upon death in regards to things like funerals, uh, celebrations, etc. I mean, celebrations in a spiritual way. Um, the The basis of it is is what actually happens by law. So, as an example, if you are a young, you know, twenty two year old. Who's just started work and doesn't really have any assets, uh, do you need a will? Um, what are you actually leaving behind? Now, what a lot of people don't understand is the only thing that can actually be willed to someone is something that's actually in your name. So, a lot of people get very confused by the fact, for example, a superannuation fund, they say, What's well, my super fund? And legally, that is correct, but it's not an asset that is owned by you, it's owned by a superannuation trustee. So, as a result of that, uh, a superannuation fund is not is is not something that you can leave in your will. Now there are special ways on that you have beneficiaries listed as an example, and it might be treated uh, differently taxation purpose. You can if you don't want disputes in respect to the assets of your superannuation fund, you have a uh, a binding non lapsing death nomination yeah. so that you don't forget to renew it every three years. And that could even,
0: I guess, that also links to insurance as well. Um, if does. insurance is paid via the super, life insurance, um, then that benefit benefit is paid to the super.
1: Yeah, and when you're young, your greatest asset might actually come in the event of death from life insurance.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, you know, you might have a $3,000 superannuation balance, or in the case that I was alluding to earlier, I think it was a $14,000 superannuation balance and a $400,000 death benefit. Uh, so the... So on that basis, if there's no beneficiaries, that will just go to family, but that can leave everything open to dispute. And if it is, if it does go to a dispute under superannuation law, then it's the determination of the trustees. Yeah. So even if you if you have a binding death nomination, uh, especially if it's a non-lapsing one, good heart, good luck trying to dispute it. Uh, but if you don't, and you just have a normal beneficiary or an out-of-date beneficiary, etc., that can be disputed. And there's other issues there too. So for example. Uh, every good business that has a good accountant uh, has everything protected so you've got a proprietary limited company. A proprietary limited company is not a living entity so you can't just will uh, shares the ownership of the shares in that company unless those shares are in your personal name to a beneficiary. And you know even with our own buy-sell agreement in here you know, the shares in this company are actually owned through My Family Trust. And so who are the appointers of the family trust in the event of my death? Because they now control the shares in this business, which means they now become potentially your boss. Yep. Um, now, we've had that addressed because we don't want those beneficiaries to become your boss. Okay. <laughs> so it's, uh, but the, the key of it is, is once again, uh, so if we pick on myself here, uh, a healthy-ish, 50, nearly 52-year-old, the, the basis of that is if I dropped off the purge, what's in my name? What gets left in my will? Uh, there is, oh, I think I have one bank account in my name, and that's it. I have, n- and there's, you know, might be ten grand in any given day sitting in it. It's, it's you know, it's money goes in, money goes out. So, the, but you know, I've got trusts, I've got investment trusts, I've got family trusts, I've got companies, I've got superannuation funds. Uh, do you have
0: insurance going to your personal name? Right?
1: Oh, sorry, I do. You're, you're correct. Thank you. Yeah. you. Thank you for reminding me. So yeah, in my personal name right now, I have, I don't have much. But in the event of my death, there is a, quite a considerable life insurance policy, which is actually set up for the kids. Yeah. Uh, so, and but that once again, in the event of my death, doesn't just it is in my personal name, so the estate is not exposed. It goes to a testamentary trust, and that also means that the kids aren't exposed uh, to any potential lawsuits uh, or in the in the event of failed marriages, it can give some protective mechanisms in there as well. So. The basis of it is that a lot of people don't consider um, or I'll, I'll give you another example, which is one we see all the time, uh, predominantly through industry superannuation funds, where the beneficiaries of someone's super fund is their parents uh, because they set that super fund up with Australian super or CBUS or West super, whoever, yeah. when they were 17 and apprentice and they're now in, still in it, but they're now married with three kids. Yep. Uh, but the beneficiary listed is actually the parents. Now, on that basis, the parents aren't going to get it, but it could cause one hell of a, a ruckus. you know. So and over and it tax as well.
0: problems as well.
1: Oh, absolute tax problems. But another, another classic is where you do have adults and saying, well, I don't want my husband or my wife to get it. Uh, my super fund just goes to the kids. And there might not be any life cover on it. It might just be a simple balance of 100 grand. Uh, sitting in it they say no I just want that going to my adult kids well actually by law uh, that's actually just going to create a tax position for the adult children whereas if you left it to the non sorry the actual tax dependent beneficiary in this case say we'll pick on the husband being the husband it would actually be paid tax free and then the husband can actually give it to the kids tax free yep. so if you don't, if you don't If you don't believe or you don't trust the fact that your husband would do that, well, then there might be a few issues that need need an open (laughs) discussion there. But what what we're saying here, though, is that planning your death is, you know, there was a few things you never discussed when I was growing up around the kitchen table uh, in a lot of households, not necessarily the Kafka household. uh, But basically, you never discussed um, religion, politics uh, or sex. Uh, they were just three taboo subjects that you just didn't discuss around the kitchen table. Uh, but the basis now is that as we are going into that in- next intergenerational wealth transfer, uh, the politics and religion and sex aside, death is something that has to be discussed. You know, so especially for me, as an example, I was divorced well, 15 years ago or so. So it's, uh, but basically there was a case there where. Any wills that I had prior to that divorce are now uh, so even if I was going to leave everything to the boys' mum, which I wasn't, uh, no offence Claire, but it's uh, but the basis of it is is that it was all anything I had was all going to the boys, and so the basis of that is any will that I had done whilst I was married is now is now null and void. Yeah. Uh, so it's the basis of it then is is the boys, but the boys were very young, 15 years ago. Um, so when that occurred so the basis of it is a lot of people do, will just when you pass away besides the grief a lot of people and it is you know, no matter what it is a you do go through an extended period of grief but a lot of people just don't want to discuss it yeah and if they don't discuss it and they don't set it up correctly and then something does happen, you die in what's known as die intestate, which can have different rules That's in different like states.
0: Next question, what happens if you haven't addressed it?
1: If you haven't addressed it, you, you, what happens is you die intestate. So as an example, in Victoria, a uh, certain percentage of the estate immediately goes to the spouse, uh, so for a certain percentage and of the assets in your name, and then the rest of it is split equally uh, amongst children. Uh, So if there are children, but also what can occur there too is people can put their hands up and say, well, I should be getting part of that because of this reason. So why aren't I getting part of that? And if there is a dispute, um, you know, an estate dispute, that can drag on for years and it can cost hundreds of thousands of dollars to the estate.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Lawyers come out, have
1: Oh, Oh, lawyers are guaranteed to get paid. The estate actually has to pay uh, any dispute uh, that actually occurs, but... There is, you know, in, ensuring that you have a properly documented will, which is a rather dry um, document without any doubt. But I always suggest to clients that if it's not straightforward, have a letter of intention attached to that will. So, as an example, if uh, I had a favourite child, which I don't, <laughs> so, but if I did have a favourite child and I said, Uh, So this child is going to get 5% of the estate and the remainder of the estate, 95%, is to go to this child and this child's family. And now if that was just drawn up, because that's all it would state in a will, uh, of testamentary trust reasons why, etc., and that can definitely be challenged. So you can go to a court of law and that is something that can definitely be challenged and will be very hard. To enforce, Uh, so there would certainly be a lot of cost, a lot of money to actually enforce. But if you have a letter of intent attached to the will, where actually explains your reasoning why um, that I haven't spoken to child, you know, A for for 15 years. Um, I don't know where they are. Uh, Last I heard, they were a drug addict um, and been divorced three times and. Uh, you know, so so based on that I have absolutely no relationship with and uh, would still like to leave this, you know, some money in the event of them still being alive. Yeah. Uh, but basically you, you write out your letter of intent, so that's your reasoning why. Once again, it won't necessarily stand up in court, but your letter of intent is certainly taken. now disclaimer, 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 I'm not a lawyer. <laughs> okay, so it's uh, but what I am saying is though. Having that letter of intent is your reasoning behind, it gives a description, as you know, I'm a storyteller, uh, but it actually gives a full description of why this is the case of you have structured this will in this certain way.
0: Yep. And as I said before this is this is an area that we work with our clients on um, and we're there to support them through the process with their lawyers and mm. um, that referral we work with some great I'm given, in this
1: area. We do and you know I'm giving a talk on I think it's the 2nd of June. Yeah,
0: I believe in so. Victoria
1: 2nd of June yeah. to you know 150 odd uh, financial planners and accountants here in Melbourne and the basis of it is is why accountants financial planners and lawyers have to work hand in hand together so everything i just told or you know all of our listeners there is not something that we can implement but we have to understand it because if we go and i mean the reason why i have insurance in my name was because the kids for tax purposes all of a sudden became non dependents because of their age and work status. So as a result, if I left that insurance to them through my self managed super fund, it was going to get taxed very heavily. By having it in my personal name, it goes all tax free. Premiums are exactly the same. So it's just that it's not being paid with, you know, after tax dollars now or oh, so it is being paid with after tax dollars nowadays. But it's not about getting a thousand dollar tax deduction on the premiums or whatever the case might be, some minimal amount, it's about the estate not having to pay $500,000 worth of tax if I did drop dead and there was a claim. Yep. So you have to think of that end benefit. I have insurance in place in the event of my death. I'm hoping that it's a complete waste of money, but if it isn't, why should the kids pay $500,000 worth of tax because dad was a bit greedy now and decided, well, I can get it with before tax dollars and maybe save myself a 1000 bucks a year. That would just be foolish.
0: Yeah yeah tony thanks for today and uh we'll catch up next week
1: all right absolute pleasure